We want you, Lord. We want you. May you minister to us that we might know you and you alone. Take away the voice of the one who is speaking and may the Holy Spirit speak to the heart and to the mind. Remove the person in whom we may see this morning that we might see Jesus in him only. Lord, may you speak to us. May we hear from you. May your Holy Spirit drop a word into our lives that might accomplish that which you so desire because you've said if your word goes forth it will not return to you void. Lord, minister to each and every one of us and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the one who was to read this Sunday isn't here, so we're going to continue on. We're going to be speaking in the next couple of weeks on the faithful servants of the Lord. The faithful servants of the Lord. Oftentimes in serving the Lord in church and in our culture today, we serve him with very little gratitude sometimes from people. We serve the Lord with very little thanks at times from others around us. And what I want to bring us back to, to really focus on and to really understand, is that we don't serve man. We serve the Lord. Our loyalty and our faithfulness is always to him and him alone. It should never be to a denomination per se, though, yes, we give loyalty because that's where we're at. It never should be to a church, although, yes, that's where we are loyal to a degree. But our true faithfulness and loyalty must lie in the person of Jesus Christ and him alone, in the person of God. And we must not look anywhere else. Because every place else, everyone else will fail you at some point in time. They may be called the anointed of God. They may have different titles and different degrees. But they will fail you for the only one who will not fail you is God himself. And today we have... Literally millions of people who will not dock a door because they do not understand that basic principle. That our loyalty and our faithfulness belongs to God. Today we're going to look at Uriah. Uriah is a person that's oftentimes overlooked because the thing that we really focus on is the sin of David. Is the sin of David. And oftentimes Uriah is only remembered as the man who David killed in order to get his wife Bathsheba. But Uriah was more than a husband. 
Uriah was much more than someone that just David killed. Uriah is a faithful servant. Being a faithful servant, even when you are not appreciated, is something God honors. That you be faithful. You be faithful. And that's so important. Because God honors your faithfulness. And oftentimes, people do not appreciate it. And therefore, you do not look at people and allow people to dictate on how faithful or loyal you will be to a task that is before you. Be faithful, even when you're not appreciated. Well, look at three verses before we look at Numbers, I'm sorry, Second Samuel 11. Well, look at these three verses. I want you to put them in your mind as we will talk about Isaiah, um, Uriah. And I want you to be able to recognize them as we go through Scripture. And I want you to be able to really take a good look at them. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. That your heart really does reflect you. Your heart really does reveal you. Your heart. As you look into the water sometime at a lake, you can see part of your reflection of your face or your whole body, but your heart reflects you. Your heart does. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. When you're not guarding your heart, other things can sneak in. And they're going to sneak in and and, and, and they're going to make war with the one who sits on the throne of your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to realize that everything else in this world is trying to remove Jesus Christ from being first place, from being preeminent. You need to understand that. If you allow other things to sneak into your heart, Whether it be money, whether it be position, whether it be title, whether it be some type of fame, whether it be whatever. That thing can very easily dethrone Christ from being first place into second or third place. And that thing becomes the first thing that you begin to run at and really spend your time. Takes your focus. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because out of that heart becomes the real issues of life. The real wellspring of life. Hope that you'll see this as we go through Second Samuel 11. Psalms 
I said, and this is not the whole verse, but it's part A of that verse. It says, I said, I will watch my ways. Self-discipline. I'm going to govern how I behave. I'm going to govern what I do. I'm going to watch my ways. How I carry myself. How I dress myself. How I address myself. How I present myself. I'm going to watch my ways. Even in my home, I'm going to watch my ways. I'm going to watch my language. I'm going to watch my demeanor. I'm going to watch how I perform and do. Why? Others are watching me also. And he says, and keep my tongue from sin. Watch those two things as we go through chapter 11, 2 Samuel 11. As we go through this story of David and Uriah, and I really want to focus on Uriah more than I do David, because oftentimes, again, David overshadows Uriah, and we miss this man. We miss him. He's a faithful servant. He's a loyal servant. But he's not appreciated. He's not appreciated. And we find these things coming out. A man's heart reflects a man. Keep that. Because we're going to see that. Guard your heart against anything else getting in there and dethroning the God of your life. And then watch your ways and keep your tongue. We need to work on it. In First Samuel, Second Samuel 11, we hear about this man Uriah. When this story, as I've said, is often spoken of, David takes center stage. And Uriah is left only as known as the one that was killed, or he was Bathsheba's wife. A husband. He is known as the husband of Bathsheba, the man David killed. But he's much more than that. He's much more than that. Who is Uriah? His name means fame of the Lord or the Lord is light. The Lord is light. And God's going to use this man to put a spotlight on the darkness of David's heart. He's going to use this servant to shine the light on David's heart. That David would even see himself. And David would even know the depth of his own sin. He uses Uriah. Never be fearful allowing God to use you as a faithful servant, even though you are in the shadows of someone else. Because it's not about, as we say, it's not about who. 
It's not about you. It's about God. You know, to illustrate this, remember Tiger Woods? God took a bunch of nobodies who had never been thought of, never been in a magazine, never hit the newspaper, never be on news, to bring Tiger Woods to a place of failure. And he's never regained where he fell from. But look what God used to put the spotlight on his dark heart. Because he was seen as, in a sense, this perfect young man. He was seen, in a sense, as this perfect father and husband. And God took some nobodies and put Tiger Woods on center stage where people could see the real darkness in this young man's life. God has done that over and over again with presidents, CEOs, people of importance who think they are important. He takes a nobody and shines the spotlight. And here's Uriah. His name means the Lord is light, the flame of the Lord. And Uriah is going to shine a bright light on David's life. He is a Hittite. His people were rulers before the Assyrians and before the Babylonians and before the Persians. And his people ruled this part of the land during the patriarch days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet, he's there in this area. He becomes a worshiper of Israel, of God. He becomes a worshiper of the God of Israel. This Gentile connects himself with this God of Israel. And because of his great deeds... And the way that he was able to handle himself, he becomes somehow very much accepted among the Jews, even though he's a Gentile. He's a Gentile. Fourthly, look at the contrast between David, the Lord's anointed. One born a Jew... And Uriah, a convert, a convert, a man who was not born a Jew, but accepted the faith of Israel and chose it for his own. I want you to really look at those two men when we go through this. For one is born in Judaism. The other one steps into it. Which one is more faithful to their God? Which one is the one that is really faithful and loyal to God? Even though we see one up here and one down here, which one is really faithful? Because God puts that contrast in there for a reason. 
Number five, Uriah is one of David's, the 30 or mighty men. And we find that over in 2 Samuel 23, 39, that Uriah is listed among, and this is a Gentile, is listed among the 30 or, or one of the mighty men of David. And, and yet, to be as faithful and loyal as Uriah is to Israel, and to David and to receive such deceitfulness and treachery that is plotted towards his life and his family. He is faithful to God. I hope to point that out very clearly in the scripture. Six. Oh, let's go back. I hit the wrong button. Number six is that we need to recognize that Uriah is fighting on behalf of God and David for Israel. Well, you read in verse one, it says, it was the time in which the kings led their armies out to war. It was the spring when the fighting would take place. And where's Uriah at? He's out on the battlefield. Where's David at? In the comforts of home. Then number seven. Oftentimes we overlook a person because we don't see them as the main character in the text. But Uriah, though it is not spoken of his importance, you have to come to a conclusion For him to marry and for a Jew to look upon a Gentile with the honor of giving his wife, his daughter, to become a Gentile's wife. This man had to honor this man Uriah. Elaman was the father of Bathsheba. And he's also listed in verse 34 of Second Samuel 23 as one of the mighty men or of the 30. He's also listed. So it might be by chance that these two had fought together in many different engagements for Israel. But somehow they got to know each other to a place that this Jewish father was willing to give his daughter in marriage to a Gentile. And for this Gentile to gain the ranks of one of the guards of the king or David, the mighty men or of the 30, had to be something to be achieved by a Gentile. And this is Uriah. This is Uriah. He is faithful to God and the men he served with. Go to Second Samuels. We're going to pick up in verse 6. As I said, we don't want the focus today to really be on David and Bathsheba. 
I want to focus really be on Uriah and see if we can dig something out about this man. And what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks is take some people who are not really in the spotlight and if we can discover their faithfulness. Do you understand a lot of us will never be on TV? A lot of us will never be in the newspaper? A lot of us will never even be voiced by the, some famous people or other people? But I'm going to share with you something. If you're faithful and loyal to God, you are very, very, very important. If you are faithful to God, you are somebody. And if your name is written in the book of life, mm, you're somebody. Because Christ has shed his precious blood for you. Don't never think that you're a nobody. Don't, never think you don't count. Never think you're not important. Never think that you're lesser than. You are God's servant, and that's the greatest thing you can ever be, is God's servant. I don't need a title to preach. I was doing it before I preached. I don't need a degree to preach. I was doing it before I got a degree. I don't need certain things from men or recognition from men to be a witness and to speak of the love of my God. I was doing it all before all those things ever happened. And if things would have never happened, I would have still be doing it. Uriah, he is a faithful. He is faithful to God and the men he served with. He never lost focus of that. That he's a soldier of Israel. He's a soldier of Israel. Not just a soldier of King David, but a soldier of Israel. He is a soldier of the mighty God of Israel. And he wouldn't lose sight of that. And the privilege that it was to be a soldier of the living God. And fight for the living God. If you know anything about the ark, the ark always went out with the army of Israel. The ark was to always lead in a sense, in battle in a sense. And when the ark was not there, you, usually you find in the text that Israel was losing the battle until what appeared? The ark. Let's read from 6 to 11. It says, So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him, How's Joab was? How the soldiers were? And how the war was going? Then David said to Uriah, Go home to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace. And a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the place, to the palace, with all his master's servants, and did not go down to his house. When David was told Uriah did not go home, he asked him, 
Haven't you just come from a distance? Why didn't you go home? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open field. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. As surely as you live. David instructed Uriah, go home, wash your feet. In other words, get ready, go home, bathe yourself, get yourself refreshed, get yourself relaxed. Man, you're going to have a great night at home. I'm going to even send you fried chicken, mashed potatoes with the gravy, some homemade rolls. I'm going to set a banquet before you that you and Bathsheba can just relax and take it easy that evening. David had his plan all set out. But what he did not count on was the faithfulness of Uriah to his God and to his men. And what people sometimes don't count on when it comes to you is your faithfulness to God and to fellow believers. There's something to speak of about being faithful to God and fellow believers and people in a sense who are in the trenches with you, who are fighting the battle with you, people who are encouraging you, people who are there with you and knowing what we're going through. And he stays faithful to them. And Uriah denied himself the comforts of his home. He denied himself the comforts of his wife. He denied himself of a good meal, a good dinner. And he slept at the entrance of the palace with the servants. Because his mind was where at? On God. Where was his heart? On God. Because the first thing he speaks of is this here. I could not do this. Why? Because of the ark. Where's the ark? The ark represents the presence of God. Where's the ark? It's out in the field. Where's David's heart now? On the balcony. David's heart is all entangled in his sin. And David's heart causes him not to be able to see this man who was faithful unto him and loyal unto him and appreciate him. Let me share something with you. Whenever your heart gets entangled with sin, you'll miss what God is doing in your presence. When your heart gets entangled with sin, you will lose focus with God and his work. Understand that. When your focus goes on you and your problem, you're going to miss God. David is so focused on trying to get out of his sin now how he can cover his sin 
that he misses the loyalty and the blessedness of having a soldier or a friend like Uriah. Someone out there fighting on your behalf. Somebody out there fighting for your kingdom. Somebody out there fighting and defending the God that you serve. And it says, even in verse 1, this is the time that the kings should be where? Out. And yet, here's Uriah, who would deny himself of all these pleasures. Why, the man who is anointed, the man who Scripture says has a heart after God, a man who is lifted up in Scripture so many ways. God takes this little Uriah to say, David ain't all that, is he? And here's Uriah. At this moment of time, who is not a Jew, who is not born in the faith of Israel, is more faithful to God than the one who is born and anointed. All right. For Uriah simply says in verse 10, when David was told Uriah did not go home, he asked him, haven't you just come from a distance? Yes, that's true. I've been out on the battlefield. Yes, I missed my wife. I missed my home. I missed the comforts of it. Why didn't you go home? Now understand at this time also, and this is not stated in the text, but I think it's very much implied if you really look at it. The king, if you disobeyed the king, you could be put to death. But Uriah is serving someone much higher than an earthly king. He's serving the king of kings. And even if he, he said unto David, I cannot do this. I will not do this. This is his conviction. And when you are convicted of something, no pastor, deacon, Sunday school teacher, nobody will move you from that when you're convicted of it. And Uriah is convicted on it. And he says to the king, how can I do this? I imagine at that moment for David, David's thinking, where should I be? I should be where? With the army, not on my balcony, not with Bathsheba. I should be out there with my men. I should be out there in the trenches. I should be out there fighting the battle. Just over this little guy saying, I cannot do this. I can't go home and do all these enjoyments and comforts that you have right now. I can't do this. Why? Because of the art. Why? Because of my fellow soldiers. Why? Because of my master Joab. Do you see his loyalty? You see his dedication? You see his heart. Now look at Uriah's heart and look at David's heart at this moment. Where's Uriah's heart and where's David's heart? For where your treasure is, there will be 
your heart. Can you see it? When you are focused on the Lord, there are things you cannot and you will not do. When sin approaches, it's so much easier to say no when you're really focused on the Lord. When you're tempted to break the law and do the wrong things, when your heart is focused on the Lord, it's so easy to say no to it. But if your heart is far from the Lord, you'll find yourself drifting right into it. Because this is how I work. This is how I function. This is what I do. No, that's not what the Christian does. The Christian depends upon the Lord to make a way. The Christian depends upon the Lord to open a door that no man can open and no man can shut. It's the Christian that focuses and waits upon the Lord who prepares him a table even in the presence of his enemy. It is the Christian who waits upon the Lord even though he's put into the den of a lion that the Lord will shut the lion's mouth. It is the Christian who waits upon the Lord when he's put into the fiery furnace for the Lord himself to protect. It is the one who even sticks his head in the fire and get bitten by a snake, who waits upon the Lord, that the Lord's going to heal him, the Lord's going to provide for him, the Lord's going to take care of him. And even though he's locked into prison, that he knows his God is able to open the gates and let him walk out freely. We have a different mind and we function differently than the world. We function differently because we're Christians. We're not unsaved individuals. We function differently. We have a new mind, a different mind. We think differently. And Uriah here now is focused on his God. The ark is out there. The ark's not here. The ark's out there. And his heart is there. His heart is there. Where's your heart? Where's your focus? Is it really on the kingdom? Is it really on Jesus Christ? Is it really on the work of the Lord? Or is it all about this world? How I survive and what I can get? Where is it focused at? When the heart is set on God, God will keep it. When your heart and mind is really set on God, and that's your conviction, God will keep you. Even in the midst of dangerous moments of your life, God will hold you steadfast to your conviction and to your heart's desire of Him. No matter what takes place. So, so, so David gets busy since the first plan failed. He goes to the second plan on Uriah. Now understand this about Uriah. He is a man who loves the Lord and he will not be moved. When you are a person who is so desperately in love with God, you will not be moved. No matter what comes upon you. And it's strange that God puts this Story in this type of scene. A person with great authority. 
a person who is the hero of Israel. The person who is well known in Israel. David. And he puts this nobody, Uriah. To show the real heart of a David. Pick up with me in verse 12. He says, Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank and drank with him. And David made him drunk. David is playing the role of the adversary. David's playing the role of the enemy. David is revealing a deceptiveness. David is all about who right now? Not caring about who? Uriah. His home. His wife. Or the faithfulness of this man. Or the loyalty of this man to him. And he brings Uriah in. And he dines him with the finest of food. And if you catch this. Uriah is obedient unto David. When David says stay. He stays. The only place where he was not obedient unto David was when it came to his conviction. Of who he was as a soldier and his commitment to God and his fellow soldiers. He would not relinquish that conviction into the hands of the king. And there's things in your life with certain people you don't Commit those things to them. You keep them between you and God. And the only one who commands in that area is God. So when the king says stay another day and stay another night, he does that willingly. And when the king invites him into the palace to eat with him, he obeys and he comes and he performs and he does. And when the king says drink, he drinks. Even to the point of getting what? Drunk. But look at the amazing thing. Because the Lord says, be of sober mind. The Lord says, always be aware. And we know sometimes when we get too much in our systems, we're not thinking clearly. We lose focus. We forget our tasks and we forget our goals. We may even forget our convictions. Where David was hoping that if he get him drunk enough, he would have a desire to go where? Home. This can only be God in this. Because the scripture makes it very clear. It says, David made him drunk. He just didn't have just one drink or two drinks. 
He was what? Intoxicated. He was drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. Even though Uriah became drunk, he did not lose the focus of his conviction. He did not lose his unwavering faith and loyalty to God and to his fellow men. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose it. That has to be some conviction. That has to be some God that steps in and holds you for doing what is right and keep you. Even though a friend or a person in authority showing themselves friendly to you is out to harm you, yet you remain faithful and loyal. Catch point number three here. Uriah shines light on David's heart. One, he carries his own death letter to Joab. I think we've all done this at some time in life. How many of you have been given a note or a letter and just wondered what was in it? Even to the point you take that note and letter, because you know you can't break the seal, and you put it up to what? <laughs> you even get a flashlight and put it on the back to see. This man didn't do that. This man took it as a great honor to carry the king's message. This man took it as a great honor to be called home and to give a report of how the army was doing and how Joab was doing. Not knowing what the undercurrent was. Let me share something with you in life. People around you, in many situations, you won't know the undercurrent. You won't know what's being plotted against you. You won't know the harm that might be coming towards you. And Uriah didn't know the deceptiveness of David because he had total trust in David being king. Could Uriah may have heard a whisper or two around the palace? Man, your wife spent the night in the palace. If he did, he didn't think nothing of it. Because he never brought it up to David. You know, He held David in such high esteem. Never expecting the undercurrent. People understand this. I don't care who you see presently and what their rank or title or position might be. 
Never surrender the position of Jesus Christ in your life. Never surrender the position of God in your life to any other authority, no matter who it might be. You don't relinquish that to a pastor. That doesn't mean that you are rebellious against a pastor, you're deceitful against a pastor. No. You serve a pastor in loyalty also. You serve a pastor out of conviction also. But he never takes the place of who? Of God. Of God. And Uriah takes this death letter. Not knowing what was in it. He takes it. And he gives it to Joab. Could you imagine what Joab may have thought when he read the letter? In the morning, in verse 14, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fierce. Then withdraw him. Then withdraw from him. So he will be stuck down, that he might be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out, they fought against Joab. Some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Catch that. In verse 17. All we hear about is Uriah died. But David's sin, Melvin spoke of it this morning. Your sin may affect more people than what you could ever believe sometimes. And the scripture let us know more than just Uriah died. Other men died whose names are not even mentioned. But what David could not understand at this moment, he was losing a faithful and loyal servant. And plus many others who died because of his sin. As Joab read this letter, What light now was shown upon David, who Joab has been very faithful to? I guess if I was Joab, I would be saying, if he would do this to a Uriah. (laughs) What might he be plotting for me? If he would do this to a faithful soldier as Uriah. And if he didn't appreciate Uriah. 
One who's not born a Jew, but one who has worked his way up through the ranks. The one who had to take all the garbage from other Jews about being a Gentile, a dog, or whatever. I mean, that whole thing that Uriah himself may have had to went through, he went through it. And Joab said, if he would do that to him, what would he do to me? Would you become a little bit more cautious? <laughs> and there's Joe, Joab. He follows the orders of the king, but it sheds the light on the king. It gives another thought about this king as being the anointed, of being this and being that. You and I, as Christians, as the light of the world, as the salt of the world, being who we are in Christ, when people see our little dirt, does it change their mind about us? When they see something in us that is not according to Scripture, does it change their thinking about us? When they see us function or act differently than what we talk, does it change their mind about us? You cannot speak one thing and do another. You cannot say, I am this, and then live another way. You cannot speak about doing right and then do wrong. We live out the Christian life. Oh, yes, we're going to falter. But pray that you're not a stumbling block to anybody when you falter. Go ahead down with me a little further. I want to come down, I think, into verse 24. 25. David told the messenger who Joab now sends back to David to allow David to know that they've taken the city in a sense or that they're besieging the city and that Uriah is dead. 25, David told the messenger, say this to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. Remember some verses that we looked at in the very beginning? As water reflects the face of a man, so a heart reflects what? The man. Can you see the heart of Uriah and the heart of David? Can you see where scripture says, above all else, guard your heart? You see Uriah guarding his heart, guarding his conviction, guarding his faithfulness, guarding his loyalty. Do you see David not guarding his heart? 
guarding his faithfulness, guarding his loyalty to God and to those who serve him. Can you see Psalms 39.1? I will watch my ways. Do you see Uriah watching his ways? Watching his behavior? Watching his character? Watching his heart? Watching his faithfulness? Watching his loyalty? Watching who he is as a soldier of Israel? A servant of the Most High God? And being faithful to God? For where the ark was, that's where his heart was. And do you see David watching his ways or letting his guard down? And then David somewhat trying to clean up his act. David being king had to know this would be troublesome also to Joab in that letter. And he says to Joab, don't let this bother you. People, when you are involved in sin, and when you're involved in even trying to cover up somebody else's sin, or protect somebody else's sin, your heart should be troubled. Your heart should be troubled. And that sin might be the sin of your daughter. That sin might be the sin of your son. That sin might be the sin of someone you care for deeply. Joab is David's uncle. And he cares for David. And you find the name of Joab running all along with David during the time of king. But this troubled him. And David's aware of trouble. And he says to Joab, don't let this trouble you. When you're involved in sin or somebody else's sin, it ought to trouble you. It ought to trouble you. It ought to trouble us. I'm going to use Melvin's phrase, a takeaway. Uriah died, and most likely there was no big funeral for him. It said that when his wife received the news, she grieved, and and she mourned her days, and then David and her were married. But at this point, we don't see David weeping for his sin, but when you read chapter 12 and Nathan comes on the scene, we see a whole different reaction in David. But it took a Uriah to shine the light on David's dark heart. And sometimes God uses people that you're not aware of to shine the light on your dark heart, on my dark heart, on our real faithfulness to God, our real loyalty to God. Uriah died being faithful to both God and David. He didn't know of the deceitful heart of David. But he knew the loving heart of the God of Israel. The one he truly served. 
If you don't know anybody else's heart, know God's heart. If you don't know anybody else's love, know God's love. If you don't ever receive anybody else's mercy, receive God's mercy. If you never know anybody else's grace or favor in your life, know God's favor. And all I'm saying is this, Uriah knew the God of Israel. Know the one in whom you believe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O God, for revealing unto us so much more than what we could ever sometime glean. For we just run through Uriah's name, not knowing sometime the meaning of his name or the role that he played or how you used him, Lord, and even dealing with your servant, David. Lord, there are people around us who are our Uriahs. They are faithful to us. They're loyal to us because they're faithful to you. They're fighting our battles in prayer. They're calling upon your name on our behalf and fighting our battles. And we might be acting like a David. But Lord, I pray that nothing, oh God, would shake us from being faithful to you, to being loyal to you. That, Lord, when we die, it will be able to be said of us that we were faithful and loyal to our convictions and to our God.